Hi, this is Max and this is CreaZ and I have today with me Antonella Pastore. Um, she is a human-centered designer, information architect, project manager and a good friend of mine. And um, we, had, uh, we had been talking already, we had already a, a session where uh, basically without a script we decided to talk about the things that we love, we have in common. And um, that happened in Italian. And since um, I am starting to accumulate uh, some drafts, some recording in English, um, we thought that it, it didn't make sense to publish uh, um, an Italian video in this channel. So um, since we have done a lot of work, I dedicated a lot of hours in uh, unrolling, and unpacking and trying to understand uh, why, what we have been sharing, me and Antonella, for about 45 minutes. We want to leverage on that. We want to value that. I think it's a, it's a wonderful work. And so today, um, we want to take this occasion to go through this uh, visual map together with Anto. And basically, we are uh, playing the part of uh, me telling uh, the, the topics that I have extracted, the, the synthesis that I'm making. And Anto basically is uh, either you know validating the things that she said and I said, together with her, or maybe she is uh, correcting or integrating. Um, th this is the main goal. Uh, since uh, I have visualized different lanes, different layers in this conversation, I think that the main lane is going to be the, the yellow one. Uh, the questions that I have accumulated after the recording are in red. And so they could be some conversation starters. Until I can take the inspiration to say, why are you saying that? Or maybe I already replied to that, or this is not true. So this is the kind of um, next step uh, activity I really would like to do. And it is still an experiment, so we are kind of improvising. The idea is to go from the beginning to the end, because I think there are some nice conclusion. It was really rich as a conversation. Um, and that is the idea. So thank you for spending some time with us. Um, I would like Antonella to uh, point you at your, what was your introduction um, that I really loved, especially when you define the human trend design. Hello, everyone, and Massimo, thank you again for having me on this uh, podcast. Um, First of all, I just would like to say that you know, it's, I think it's going to be very interesting and yet another experiment to see what it's like to walk through the notes of a previous conversation and see if we can extract more, if we can you know, validate some of the stuff that we have identified. You know, for me, it's a pretty interesting in, uh, experiment in reflection and synthesis. So let's see what's going to come up. And. Uh, okay, so yes, when when we started, you know, we were trying to uh, figure out and uh, answer the uh, the question of okay, what do you do for a living, uh, which is a question that has never been very easy for me to answer. Uh, so I always start from you know my latest configuration, which is a human-centered design specialist. Um, and this is what I do, always in the technology field. So the, we have this in common with you. 
and uh, and it, it, basically what I do is is really you know to make people talk to each other, you know people connect with each other so that we can define problems, uh, define solutions. Uh, we do a lot of research. I do a lot of research together with my colleagues. So the people that you know I make. I, I bring to talk with each other are de facto the participants in this research. And and what we're trying to do is to gather some insights uh, from that. And, uh, um, and de facto what I try to do most of the time is create a, uh, you know, a level of an environment, a collaborative environment uh, through which we can uh, uh, extract the knowledge that that we need and define the solutions to the problems that we have identified. Very good, Antonella. When I was, uh, you know, picking at your LinkedIn profile that I'm showing right now, I read there in your, uh, you know, labels, your um, titles, information architect and project manager. Now, would you please briefly explain the relationship uh, with information architecture and even central design. Uh, well, uh, that, that, that this is a tough one, actually. Uh, information architecture is something that I've done a lot in the past, uh, and that has been my entry point into uh, into design. I've been looking at you know content and doing content analysis and understanding communication objectives and you know user objectives. So it was the practice through which I have come in contact with uh, with design. But all but not being a techie myself, you know, I don't come from I, I come from a, a translation and uh, background and translation interpreting. So what I've, you know, my approach has always been via, uh, you know, from the standpoint of humans, you know, that and and what people need to do with technology, what kind of objectives they need to uh, they need to achieve. So it was all it's always been part of my practice and the way and my approach to start from the needs of the people involved in the project in order to be able to define what, you know, the uh, information product or the you know design objective was about. So as then, in, you know, this thing of human centered design got better and better defined and I, I just got into that because the discipline got better defined and also because I just found myself practicing design in a very large um, governmental organization where you know bringing people together around the table and uh, finding the common ground uh, is the key factor in uh, getting things done okay thanks this is um... I like the the journey leading from that experience, that practice to to human centered design today. So, uh, then Antonella, we talked about uh, this thing we are doing here. We have done together, which is something that it's visual thinking or visual scribing. I am sure they are different nuances, different meaning, and I don't want to explore that right now. But there was a nice... Um, yes, also because that is your distinction. Ex-post, by the way. 
Yes. Yeah, because what we were talking about at the time was whether we would be just, you know, keep talking and recording or if you wanted to take the opportunity to do some, you know, visual scribing, you know, visual annotation while we were talking in a pretty uh, unplanned and improvised way the first time we did it. And what came right. out is actually that I'm not a visual person at all. I'm definitely not text-oriented. Yes. I'm very verbal. So we were sort of, you know, comparing uh, the the pros and cons of uh, um, taking it, it, uh, doing some uh, visual scribing while people are talking and uh, and discussing uh, things that are close to their heart, and which has it's uh, absolutely it's very valuable. Uh, but in my in my practice and in my experience, uh, in particular when I do research, I definitely prefer to um, uh, to focus on listening and uh, and probing and asking additional questions where interesting things are coming out, uh, instead of you know focusing on uh, on on doing the visual uh, you know the visual facility the, the visual scribing. I would say this is absolutely. It was a kind of the first uh, provocation, or maybe you might say, you know, we were confronting my approach that is very visual. You said, you know, give me, give me the juice, the meat, the, give me the text. Uh, I want to read things. You were saying something like, uh, I don't feel like having the, the visual summary of an event gives me the same meaning uh, or I'm making the same sense that I could make if I am present, if I am attending that. And I agree with that. And then I said, um, so while, while, how are you facilitating interviews? I think this is a section which is interesting because um, mm -hmm. we identified the fact that there are generative interviews in which you are listening for emerging or unexpected ideas, but you have a, a guide, you have, a, you have an agenda to follow. You want to be sure you are covering the things that you want to discover. Do you want to add something to that? Um, well, not just very briefly, because this is pretty standard practice, actually, in, uh, in qualitative interviews. Uh, you have to have a guide. You have to have some uh, questions or themes that are your prompts for the conversation that it help you cover uh, the ground that you need in order to achieve the objectives of the research. But what I like to do uh, is uh, uh, not to focus a lot on taking notes. Um, I, I'd rather leave the recording to do that for me. Okay, so if I really yes. have to capture the, uh, uh, you know, the the verbatim, uh, so I can actually you know focus on what is emerging, uh, and uh, and and be aware of where the conversation is going, so that I can ascertain that we are actually touching something that is very interesting and useful for the objectives of the research, although not explicitly, explicitly targeted by the questions, or if it's just a deviation and we need to uh, yes. take the, uh, you know, get back on track. Okay, so I'd rather, you know, keep my attention focused on what is being discussed and what is emerging, rather than on the on the mechanics of, uh, of taking notes or visualizing uh, what is emerging. That kind of... Um approach made me think what am i doing with this kind of interviews that i'm doing are they gener generative of course they are because we don't have an agenda before starting which is different from your approach because you are doing mm. research 
Okay, I yeah, am improvising. Yeah. It's a I bit have, of a mix, yeah. No. Yeah, I have... Um, In my case, course, I mean... Mm-hmm. No, I mean, um, it's kind of... I'm pretty sure about the uh, the participant to, to this conversation because I know you and we used to have this kind of conversation so I know it would become interesting. What I want to do is I, I don't want to lose the emerging ideas. So there no. is the point where I see an analogy, similarities. Uh, do you find it as well or am I stretching it too far? No, no, it's uh, uh, no, no. You're right. I mean, it's uh, uh, you know the type of conversations that we're having are, are you know th- these are happening in a context of uh, uh, of a long time friendship and a lot of mutual trust and genuine interest in uh, what what we're doing and uh, and what we think. So uh, it can take totally unexpected. Uh, turns, but at the same time, we know that a lot of the stuff that we discuss and we end up also sometimes also laughing about yes. is uh, is it, it, always very interesting for us. So uh, it, you know, in our in our situation, in our context, you know, the unexpected is very very welcome. So it cannot be a deviation or or irrelevant. And even if it's irrelevant, we're just going to laugh about it. Yeah, which is no, a bit right. of a different situation when you do yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for that. Targeted I'm, I'm, research, yeah. Yeah, I am gently provocative because that's exactly what I want to facilitate. And uh, at the minute uh, 23, we actually discussed that and we said that... Where uh, the are tra- you? Yeah. Oh, there you, you are. Me, okay. yeah. yeah, if you, if there's trust between the participants, yeah. you can have, you can be, you know, lighthearted, you can, you can go with the flow... And uh, what we are doing today instead is it's the uh, iteration that we said, you know, we can have continuous True. conversation. We can uh, have, uh, we can retake this conversation. We can have other considerations on top of it and we, continue, we can continue. So we are covering something which is a little bit more uh, ahead in the recording. I thought I found the, the connection and I wanted to, wanted to share with you. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I want to share with you is the fact that uh, um, off the record, you were saying that those notes there were not about something that you said, but th- those are minds. And I wanted to tell you uh, the concept of compounding knowledge, meaning if I extract the things that are interesting to me right now and I review them and I accumulate them and I integrate them, I can compound them. So I can have, uh, yeah. you know, I'm starting with building blocks, which are rather simple, they're basics. They're basic, but then I can connect them and maybe have more elaborate thought. And this is what somebody would call networked thought or thinking, which is something mm. a little bit, you know, experimental. It's, you know, it's a, there's, a, there's a trend now to PKM, personal knowledge management or network thinking. But this is what I want to do for real. This is what I'm trying to do right now. So how do you see this uh, experiment of mine in this case? Uh, it, it's very interesting because that's a uh, definitely a more contemporary and insightful way uh, of doing what I call synthesis and uh, and reflection. Yes. But this is actually more about, it's not about the mechanics, like a synthesis and reflection, but it's very much about, you know, the final outcome that you want to achieve. I mean, you want to do that because you want to find these connections and de facto, by, you know, by, by the just by finding these connections, the fact that you're creating new knowledge, or okay. at least you're making sense for yourself. 
of this common experience of a conversation. Um, this no, is I have quite to say, I'm quite enjoying yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, I like it, and uh, <laughs> I am. What I like is that I am making connection from my memory that I didn't write down. Uh, did, I hmm. didn't. Uh, I'm think. For instance, I noticed your attitude in saying, you know, this is your opinion, this is what you think. Uh, and when I ask you, what do you think about this? Is this interesting? You always say in a respectful manner, you say, well, I don't know what it means for you. I mean, no, it's you. I don't know what you mean. I can tell you what it means for me. But actually, this is one of my goals. So is this something valid only for myself? when I share it with somebody who's watching the recording or if I share this, uh, this diagram, because my idea is that I want to promote the, the collaboration with other people. So do you think this can be used to collaborate on, for instance, this conversation, or is there any obstacle or something that you think is not usable or not working? Well, this is a pretty tough question, you know, to ask me now. The, uh, the, you know, I think that first of all, what we're doing now is collaboration because we are going walking through, uh, you know, your notes, your takeaways of a conversation that we had, and we are creating the connections. So we are collaborating on this. Yes. Uh, what else needs to happen that is not um, happening already? No, you're right. I mean, the reason why I'm here is because I don't know. <laughs> I am exploring. I, I kind of feel like uh, I enjoy it uh, so much when I am not alone. That's the, the main point. But at the yeah. same time, not having a lot of practice in this, I realize that I am myself. <laughs> you are yourself. We need to talk to come to uh, an agreement on even on statements, on topics, because you must say, I don't think like that. Or maybe this is not a, something that I said. This is something that you said. And so how can I facilitate having shared understanding about the things that we are sharing? Um, you, okay, I'm not sure I'm answering your question right away. But if there is something that I would like to do, not now perhaps, but, you know, but just taking some time, is to go and explore actually all the stuff that you added around uh, the, um, yes. you know, the topics that we covered and, and your insights, you know, I saw that there are some, you know, illustrations yes. and other connections and that is your stuff. Okay. So it would be very yes. interesting for me actually to go through what you added and see how that expands or creates connection with uh, my contributions to this. Because that can be, you know, that part of the, you know, the reflection or the expanded reflection that your contribution is giving to this, or is allowing me to, uh, is allowing me to do. It makes perfect sense what I am. Yeah. Realizing. So I think that that's, you know, the <laughs> the other area of collaboration. Like, you know, you build on top of this. I go and review, and I and I see if there are any any other connections, and we can. You know, what I actually hope I'm gonna find by the end of this, or maybe it's not gonna happen. We don't know yet. Is to um, be able to see through your eyes <clears throat> what I do. <clears throat> Okay, let's stay there for a moment because this is exactly the topic of what you explained you do during 
process modeling facilitation and what I would like to do when I'm doing the synthesis. What I understand is that synthesis is individual. My synthesis is not necessarily the same as yours. So my notes or my connections, of course, it's the work I have done. You might might be linking some other resources, some other books or things that you have in your experience, which is absolutely normal. I mean, this is the point. Um, the, the thing that is a little bit... Um, uh, sounding a little bit a let down is that if you don't do the same amount of work that I've been doing you cannot express your opinions because you don't know what is there I mean you, you should that you should go to the process of extracting the topics from the raw interview or the raw transcription and say uh, you know those are my insights and on top of that i have those questions which are not exactly as yours and i have those connections you talk about this this and that i was thinking is that to those other things which is i'm saying obvious things i'm not saying anything revolutionary well may i interrupt you there um i don't think that it needs to be so uh so radically from the bottom up again. I mean, I was there the first time. So I remember what we said. I remember what we discussed. I'm actually more interested in the type of synthesis and the type of connections that you've made and see if I can build on those. I don't have to redo the same work again. So, you know, what? it's collaboration. It's not duplication. Okay. So... You know what I'm saying? Oh. It, let's say that if you would consider valid as a synthesis as a summary not a synthesis what i have done there highlighting the mm -hmm. key topics of what you have said yeah which is a different thing than saying what would that spark into your creativity or connection that instead is personal that can be different because it's you reflecting on top of those in of those extracts so it's not exactly what i was saying it's different of course, we have been spending time together talking about those things. These are your words. Fine with that. But then what do you connect with it? This is mm -hmm. this is the extra work that, that you should do on your own. So maybe this is what I wanted to say. Yeah, it's like, you know, yes, it's building on the connection that you have already made. I don't okay. need to do it again from scratch. Yeah, this is fantastic. And um, let me let me bring you to an, another le a higher level of connecting from this world of our session together and another session I had with another person who is Marco Genovesi. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this case, I am the bridge. You were not there. I should have invited you to attend to the conversation or watching the recording. And then you could have something to say. Otherwise, I am saying, you know, with Marco, um, it was interesting to see how the collaboration that he has to do with diverse people coming from different backgrounds promoted some happy accidents. And so he said, basically, when you are surprised by the things that you are creating during your creative process, there you have something which is valuable. Maybe you have the most original ideas or you have something you can actually, you know, nurture and cherish and create something which is beautiful or unique or valuable now the connection i was making with our conversation was uh, mm -hmm. about uh, uh, when you were saying i have um, um, a guide to do the interviews but i need to be careful about the things which are emerging 
So yep. isn't that a mm -hmm. connection with the surprise thing that I was saying with Marco? <clears throat> yeah, I guess so. Uh, in terms of satisfaction, you know, with mm. uh, uh, with the findings, with a surprise, yes, perhaps uh, th th that is the, the level of, you know, we, we can call that the surprise that our researchers is looking for. Oh, my God, I interviewed this person and something came out that we hadn't thought about. Okay. So, yes, you know, the surprise of the unexpected and all it, 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 it's very much related about uh, proving the value of following that approach, you know, of talking with people, um, putting them in, uh, in helping them uh, tell about their direct experience and seeing, looking at, for example, a business process through the eyes of the person who actually executes that process. And yes. it's very much about finding that gem about finding that insight about how things are for real in yes. uh, in a real life scenario that yeah i mean perhaps it's less fascinating than you know being surprised during the creative process of an artist like marco but i can tell you that you know the satisfaction is uh, is there yeah that's beautiful um i want to see if i can connect that surprising element to something that is not necessarily seen in a positive connotation by the people participating uh, because you were describing the the fact that when you map a process a business process <coughs> with such clarity and detail it might happen that you identify some bottlenecks or some inefficiencies and especially if you're doing uh, automation of very complex process processes, you might, you know, even if you don't want, you might say, look at this branch. I mean, we can skip this altogether. We don't need this at all. And when you do that, you are talking also to people having a professional role there. And so it happens that you are together with people who are making their living there. And you need to justify the fact that you are saying, you know, we might not need you anymore which is something not necessarily positive. I mean, you are saying to somebody, I mean, we have to find another way to use you. Now, that is a surprise, maybe not very nice. What about that? Uh, okay, I have to say that, you know, uh, I haven't found myself yet and I hope I'm not gonna find myself in the future. In uh, uh, <clears throat> in a situation where as a designer or as an analyst uh, I have to make people redundant or at least that the design that results you know from from the research is going to make people redundant uh, this hasn't happened to me yet and I hope that's you know that that's not going to happen where in, in the type of environment in which I work where in a highly bu bureaucratic organizations uh, usually you know making processes more efficient uh, is very much about making people happier about the work that they do. It's not about making people redundant. It's by, about making their job more meaningful and yes. more effective, okay? Because yes. what we try to do is remove the drudgery, is remove the repetition, is to uh, reduce the margin of error 
because there's so much manual work and repetition in it. Um, so I have to say that you know sometimes you know the, in the past you know the, the difficult conversations that we've been having around, for example, you know the, the digitalization of a process has been more about removing the controls mm-hmm. than removing the drudgery. Okay, so it, it, it and even there, um, yeah, removing control is what could make some people uncomfortable because it's going to make their role at the top of the process, you know, in, in, a, in a higher position of control, command and control, less relevant. That is never about make, making people redundant. I think that I, so I got it. I got it. No, I got it incorrect. It was not extreme, as I was saying. Uh, you're right. It was about removing control, which is not exactly the same thing. Still, you're talking about changing a professional role, but it's not exactly as making them redundant. What I would like yeah. you to focus <clears throat> now uh, is on this beautiful part where you are describing um, the power of co-creating the map of of a process, meaning that you don't have to persuade them after because you created the, the map together with them. So basically, mm-hmm. uh, we can say that this is the, the visual facilitation that you can use as a tool, as a technique to make the system visible and to make people aware of eventual inefficiencies or things that can be changed. So basically, you don't have to go there and explain again what you, what you, have, find out, what you have found out, but because they, they've been part of it. And, uh, yes. Yeah. The, the analogy is the same with me and you doing uh, the interview together and then reviewing this diagram together. I mean, it was me and you. I don't have to explain you again what you said because it, those are your words. Um, I don't think I have a question there. I just want to tell you the kind of connection that I made with a sort of mantra that is in my mind all the time in any kind of activity that I do that is make the system visible so when you make the system visible yes. you can intervene in it and on it you can mm. understand how it works and uh, of course it's connected to the concept of system mapping which is a specific activity where you are not just making an inventory but you are trying to map the relationship between all the the, the stakeholders and the forces that are at play and there are a lot of things we can say. Maybe we can talk about it one day. Usually, it's very difficult to take a snapshot of, you know, a waterfall. You you have just a picture, but the moment that you turn your eyes, it changed. So it's very difficult to to take a, a, an accurate snapshot of something when it keeps on evolving, and that's the nature of complex systems. But at the same time, it gives you the the entrance to an approach to do system change. You can find the leverage points. Uh, I'm gonna tell you this True. latest, yeah. the last, yeah, this last uh, topic, and then I I will leave you the floor. So I made the other connection with uh, Donella Meadows' uh, leverage points. How do you intervene in a system? And you do that at different levels, mm-hmm. which are usually not easy to apply or to do but those are basically the uh, the tenets the the, the the principles of changing any system uh, that it can be uh, you know an organization or society or a piece of software um, again i don't have any question i just wanted to share with you the kind of connections that i made yeah and that's a very interesting one because uh <clears throat> 
Okay, systems thinking is not something that I practice directly. Okay, it's uh, I mean, but it's been one of the most powerful uh, <clears throat> set of lenses that I've brought into my work, and uh, and it and it's incredibly revealing uh, because it's definitely a way to simplify. It's not to simplify complexity. You can actually simplify correct complexity, can you? But it makes you accept complexity and and feel good about you know your entry points, knowing that there are other possible entry points that you have to sort of go and uh, and explore. I, I I always find it very very useful to uh, to apply. Particularly at the beginning of, uh, I do a lot of discovery work, no, at the, at, at the very beginning, because it's like you know having this sort of uh, uh, <clears throat> uh, net that I can cast, and I know that it will, you know, bring back something very, very useful for me that I can start, you know, prioritizing and, and working with as things become a bit more focused and clearer as we move on. So um, it's been such a great discovery for me, you know, over the last couple of years. So it's a very interesting connection. Yeah. Um, I have this question for you. How did it change in your approach to work and life? Meaning, did it make things simpler to understand and to manage or did did it make things more difficult to face? Uh, no, I wouldn't say it made it more difficult or more, uh, or even more complex. Uh, you know that you know I like this thing of you know measuring uh, you know the level of anxiety that things can give me. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, so systems mapping is definitely something that removes the anxiety for me. Remove, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay. just because I mean it, it, it's been a very, as I said, it's it's a set of lenses through which I can look at reality or complexity or chaos, and know that it's perfectly legitimate. So it's not mm -hmm. about me; it's in the system, and I have to figure out where to start from, where <laughs> from where I want to approach it first. Well, uh, that is. Um, let me see if I can make this connection. We were having fun. We were not formal. You said, you know, uh, visual diagrams can be anxiety stoppers. Oh, yeah, right. No? <laughs> yeah. So can you see any serious or, you know, yeah, in the fact informal that, yes, connection exactly. to that? Is the ansiometro, you know, anxiety yes. meter, I'm, you know, is it something yes. that gives me anxiety or removes the anxiety in front of complexity, difficulty, okay. uh, lack of clarity, etc. But in this specific context, we were talking about the, you know, the value of doing visual scribing. Yes. So it's not completely out of context. Um, there was something in quite interesting you said about information overload you said i am an information devourer i mean i have very high threshold intolerance to the quantity of, of information that i can ingest and i remember that in you know in the past times when we've been working together you used to uh you know ingest and digest uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages and then you were able to provide synthesis and insights um uh, Tell me more about that. 
about the fact that you know I have a high threshold to information overload because it seems to be a disease of our current times and uh, ah okay people uh, well, seem to I, say I, you know I cannot I cannot thrive mm. I cannot I cannot cope with that so how do you do that what what are your approaches your tricks uh, how do you do that mm, well that's t I, I don't know <laughs> frankly <laughs> I don't know I mean it's just you know I, I'm just very you know I, I I can read a lot of text and uh, I, I've just always been able to do it. But I, at the same time, I have to say that I also had to fight, you know, information overload at some point. And uh, I've become very, very uh, totally ruthless about what I, um, I exclude from my information landscape. So, you know, sometimes I also take some very, very, you know, sharp decisions, stark decisions about what I don't want to read or learn. I, you just made me I, remember, remind uh, somebody who said uh, it's not an information overload, it's a filter's failure. Your filters yeah. are failing. So you, yeah. you uh, are more conscious and aware about the filters that you yes. set up. And yeah. so you can filter better information. Oh, this is beautiful. Yeah, and uh, I've just decided many years ago that I am not going to feel any FOMO, any fear of missing out when it comes to, uh, uh, you know, reading posts on social media or following links that I find on social media. Um, so I'm... Uh, you know, I have very good filters. But you follow me. And I me. don't feel guilty. Yeah. It's not true. You I, follow I just, me. <laughs> but I follow you. I've been following you for 25 years. Martin. I mean, if, if, have, that, if that is not a failure can, in your filters. No, no. You're, you're in the white list. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Now, Anto, this, this, I mean, I'm trying this even better than the first take on it. And um, we are driving in a very relaxed and nice way towards the conclusion where you basically summarize this process. We talked about, um, I want to mention that the fact that... Did we summarize process... anything? Huh? <laughs> Did we summarize anything in the first conversation? No, uh, well, uh, it was dense. Uh, um, yeah. And I was uh, interested in the fact that you brought up the uh, the design thinking paradigm and the double diamond that I've been depicting here because uh -huh. I found a lot of similarities in my, you know, digital product design process mm -hmm. where I am diverging and converging or training or facilitation where you are diverging converging you have been describing the same process that you do with your clients with your organization and you said something that was quite interesting you said you know sometimes i don't have the problem with with diverging the problem is is converging because they're oh, diverging yeah. too much so it's it seems to be the opposite no um tell me oh, a little bit yeah. about that <clears throat> uh yeah, this is a bit like, you know, what I mentioned at the beginning. Um, I just found myself practicing human-centered design uh, in a way that makes sense in a large, bureaucratic, highly structured organization in which, however, uh, every voice counts. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so weird. I know. I, it, 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 because you would imagine, a, you know, a hierarchical organization with a, uh, with a guy or the girl on top, uh, sending all the commands and orders down the hierarchy and people executing. That's not like this. When you are in a, in a, uh, in that type of organization where, uh, they, they I think that we are in the fundamentally in the business of managing stakeholders and managing people's attention. Uh, everybody has a stake and being aware of, uh, you know, where each one of the stakeholders stands and what is their position and what is their mandate and how to keep everything aligned. Uh, is the challenge that we have to address when, whenever we have to do some in, in, uh, a new product or a digital transformation initiative, uh, uh, just to you know drop the latest keywords in this. No, you you really want to make sure that all your stakeholders are aligned, and uh, uh, and that's where you know a lot of the work. That uh, I that that I do and my team does is in creating that alignment, in in is in helping them find the common ground. That this is actually you know the the expression that I use a lot in my in my practice. You know, find the common ground, uh, because that is where it, it, people can start can actually focus on the common objectives, on what is uh, achievable, on what is makes sense, in what is effective, on what is efficient, and they can get out of their uh, comfort zone of, you know, this is me, this is my mandate, and this is what I need to do, and get out of the silos thinking. I remember very well this part of our conversation when I, when I said, uh, what do you think about calling it more harmonization rather than alignment because it seems like you need to put you know people in a line like an army while instead you want to keep into account the diversity of background roles responsibilities and ideas but then you need to go in a harmony towards a common goal what do you think about this a different way of expressing this thing uh, yes, no, there are some, you know, semantic nuance differences in there, uh, nuances, I would say. Um, in reality, you know, in, in everyday, you know, parlance, we talk a lot about alignment, but it's true. Eventually, what we are trying to achieve is harmonization. And there are also some people who use the word uh, orchestration. Yes. Uh, which is something that I haven't cracked up yet completely. So, but I think that harmonization is what is the closest thing to describing what, what we're trying to do. Yeah. Okay. I'm making Plus it's got beautiful... to do with music. So I love it. Okay. Uh, sorry, didn't get it. And then it, it's related to music and that's why I love the word. Of course. Yes. I was making a connection with the book by Jorge Arango about service orchestration. So it's, uh, an analogy already been used in service design orchestration. So yes. I think they are, yes. it's a nice, uh, you know, three terms that we need, we can investigate a bit more, which is alignment, harmonization, and orchestration. Now, I want to touch two other points, Anto, if you have time. One is uh, mm-hmm. how you beautifully went to. You talk about the specific of the process in your organization. I mean, we can share this with people if they want to know more about uh, 
the, the scenarios we wanted to propose, the images of imagining being in a certain situation when uh, the team you collaborate with, that you would design, would take specific roles as co-designers or anthropologists or evaluators. And that is basically the part of the, the process you've been describing. And you said at the end that basically is a, is a way of facilitating a decision-making process. You are facilitating your clients or the leadership to um, make a decision. I think this is the most beautiful and effective synthesis of the the outcome of this. Um, what I actually like was my a little bit of provocative, uh, you know, provocation about what is the benefit of this process. I mean, why are we doing that? If you said it's difficult then to actually have everybody aligned, as we were saying, and to make the decision because there are a lot of uncertainties, but you identify mm. some specific benefits. So I would like you to. Tell about the the actual the essence of the benefits you you get out of this process and what you do uh, in the end as useful to the to the group. Uh, yes, now that's uh, you know that's a very uh, simple thing. You know when and this is more about the benefit of facilitation. Huh? It's got nothing specifically mm -hmm. to do with human centered design, except of the fact that you know we're trying to focus on all the different perspectives and finding and finding the common ground. Uh, I very often I find myself in the situation of having to facilitate those structured conversations so that people can make some decisions. Yes. Uh, of course, as a designer, I I or my team doesn't own the decision. Okay, mm -hmm. but it, we always, you know, stop uh, a step before that. But there's always a benefit in facilitating that because we, uh, as you, uh, as you wrote in there, I mean, we remove some background noise. Yes. So we just restrict a bit the field where uh, the decisions need to be made. So we we bring some clarity, but at the very least, we remove the background noise. And sometimes we can do that by throwing in, you know, in the previous version, we were calling the images. In reality, those are metaphors. Okay. Um, yeah, the power of metaphors, you know, to, to help people imagine in what kind of situation we have to put ourselves. So they put themselves so that they can uh, act uh, towards, you know, the objective what we're trying to do together. Yeah. Very good. Okay, so Anto, I don't think we covered any, you know, all the tiny details, but we have, um, I will share the transcription, I will share the, the Italian recording with um, translated subtitles, and I think there's, there's oh, much will more. You? I will. will you share it anyway? I, I mean, we can discuss that, I mean, it's not important, okay. now, but um, maybe the transcription uh, or translated. Um, I would say that that was the the conclusion of almost everything we have discussed. I am leaving out only a specific uh, part that was about uh, this guy here, because you mentioned a couple of times, I mean, this process is interesting, it's fascinating. I think I, I'm interested in, in my own practice, but also as a personal curiosity in identifying the patterns, extracting patterns in the method methodology or comparing mm -hmm. past experiences and seeing what I can take as not as a lessons learned, but something that I can adapt as a model. So this is 
particularly resonating with me in terms of you know software design, design thinking, or uh, imagining new or processes. Or architecture. Absolutely. Or are you going Absolutely. back full circle to architecture yes. then? Yes, I think so. Yeah. So I want you to, I would like just you to spend some words about this concept there. What is, how is it resonating with you? Uh, we were talking about patterns in the context of, uh, of the research. Yes. Um, you know, when we're talking about, you know, what, uh, what do we focus on? When when we uh, when we run research, when we're talking with people, you know, when we um, when, when we listen, and patterns is one of the th- one of the things that we uh, are looking for during research, uh, but also a lot about the you know the, the deviations, you know, that what what we cannot bring back into the pattern, so that we can everything that comes out of research is very very precious, and then it. it and then we can prioritize or synthesize or identify the patterns. But also when there is no pattern, that means something. And that's also uh, sometimes, you know, it, it is the part of the research is the, the type of findings that we don't highlight enough. Uh, because, again, we, we're looking for the, you know, we're looking for the common ground. But um there's still so much value in what we cannot bring back into a pattern because uh, that gives us a lot of these, you know, signals about what is going to make the pattern work or not, depending on the context. Okay. I just want to share with you that I see this practice I am doing together with you right now, absolutely a a pattern recognition and definition activity because we are looking for a common ground or things that are recurring or things that I can connect and build in blocks. So I especially like this kind of approach and I want to refine it even when we go meta and we try to connect this episode with others. So I just want to thank you for the time you dedicated to me very kindly and lovely. It has been really nice and fun and stimulating. And, um, yeah, and I hope also that you know other people are going to find it you know fun and stimulating because uh, you know for me it was really you know a great opportunity to uh, take a step back and look at my work through your eyes or through someone else's eyes and I think that there's it, it's so important it, to have that opportunity so um, you know this is what this podcast was to me and right. I hope that also someone else is going to appreciate it. Well, um, I'm really, I'm really happy and proud. I mean, this has been a nice work. Um, before wrapping up, um, do you have some additional consideration that you can do now, looking with different eyes at, you know, at this double take session? Now that you know we relax, we're about to close. Do you have any extra thought? Oh, double take. That's a lovely way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what? I'm no. The, what I want to do is uh, go back to the diagram with some time and look at all the connections that you put all across okay. in the top row in the top lane, and see if I can build on that or find some other uh, some other connection. Yeah, that's what Very I would good. love to do. Va benissimo, Antonella. I appreciate you, Thank you as, a, as a human being, and I really love you as a friend. And I can't wait to do other sessions and together with you. And I love you, you too. 
So thanks. And one more. Okay. Bye, Yeah, why not? I mean, many more. Would you like <laughs> many to Many more. Many more. Well, that's a threat. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, everyone. So that was uh, Creazi Sprint together with Antonella Pastore that you can find on LinkedIn. A very easy URL. It's LinkedIn in Antonella Pastore. And uh, you can find uh, Creazi on creazi.com. And we have now a nice... Um, YouTube channel that you can subscribe and like. So uh, see you there. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thank you.